Welcome to the Fitness Oracle. I am your host, John Katsavos. My guest today is Shabnan Faltenbacher from the Heart Yoga Lab. Shabnam has sought out that which is deep and meaningful for many years. She did not live from the heart center and was deeply unhappy. Yoga has helped her journey achieve joy, gratitude, compassion, and especially love in her life. This is why yoga has been her dharma. Shabnam, welcome to the show. Yeah. Hi, nice, nice, nice to meet you, see you. Hi, John. So what pushed you to get started into yoga in the first place? What pushed me to get started into yoga in the first place? Okay, that was that was around twenty years ago, and it wasn't it wasn't a rational. I don't think it was a rational decision. It was something that pulled me to the practice, and I'd heard about it, and I knew one or two people who were practicing yoga, and it wasn't at all trendy or popular yet. And in the town that I was living in, in Munich, there was maybe three or four yoga studios. Now there's 200. So there's been a big change, but before it was only three or four and there was Jiva Mukti yoga. And um, I was like, it's interesting. Let me go try this out. So I went to my first class. I thought it was incredibly funny. I laughed a lot about myself because I'm not a flexible person. I'm not a dancer. I'm not a gymnast. So <laughs> all the poses were really, really alien to me. And I just felt, I actually felt like I felt really stupid doing them because I was like, oh my God, I, I'm so lost. Everyone is so bendy and, and skinny and beautiful. And I'm a little chubby and, you know, I'm getting to this yoga class. And yeah, it was quite interesting, but I had this pull. I had this inner pull. And after the class, I felt amazing. I felt so good. And um, it just kept pulling me back. So my first contact with yoga was actually through the physical. It wasn't so much spiritual. It was much, much more physical and something that made my body feel good. But then at the same time also made my mind and my soul feel good. Nice. Um, what were some of the major factors that has played during from where you started to where you are now? Like factors in life or? Factors in life, yes. So basically my journey from then till now. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess that will start earlier and um, actually starts with my birth. And I had a very dramatic, very wild birth. I had a very traumatic birth where I almost suffocated and my mother almost died. And then I was only with her for three days. And then she went into a um, heart and lung ambly. I'm not sure if that's the right word in English. I can only think of the German word, but basically she had a heart and lung arrest or something. Mm -hmm. And she had to stay in hospital for two more months and I was taken away from her. So I already had a very unstable entry into this world. So the, the, the body my soul chose was, <laughs> was already in turmoil, in turmoil as it came to the world. And then anyways, we lived in Iran and we left Iran and moved to Germany. And there was a lot of upheaval, a lot of um, stuff going on, which established itself within my body and also within my mind during my formative years. 
And on top of that, I'm a highly sensitive person. And I had a family who didn't know about this trait and uh, God bless them. I love them to bits, but they couldn't handle it in the right way that I would have needed it. Mm -hmm. And um, already as a teenager, I entered some very, very dark phases of my life, um, trying to compensate my high sensitivity with this very masculine world that we live in, with this very hustling, bustling, go-getter kind of lifestyle, which is very opposed to this kind of a trait of a highly sensitive person. And in very young years, I started uh, using drugs and smoking a lot of pot and um, also started to develop um, depression and borderline um, symptoms. Um, and fast forward to when I was 22, when I started with yoga, I kind of felt that yoga eased my suffering but not dramatically. Like it was, it was on a very subtle level. I knew that I felt great after I left the yoga class, but in between, I was still not a very happy person. Um, I studied, I entered the corporate world. I did everything my parents expected me to do, um, which was always not that which came from my heart. So it was never my passion. I'm not an office girl. I'm not a corporate girl. I'm a very, uh, I'm a person who's very tied to nature. I love being outside. I love being active. I love being around people. I love my freedom. And the corporate world was basically everything opposing to that. And it's not a bad place. I mean, a lot of people get really happy there and they find their calling, but it was, it just wasn't mine. So I was for many, many years, I was working against my heart and against my passion. I was um, not listening to the signs, not listening to my body. I was uh, very strongly in a victim mode, like life is happening to me, I can't control it. And this was day after day. And eventually this led to a very um, bad situation for myself where I completely burned out emotionally, also physically, because it was, it's my soul. My soul said, stop, you need to change something. You know, you can't keep going on like this. And I entered a very, very, very dark phase of my life. So not only did I burn out, but I had um, a very high depressive episode in my life um, where I was questioning whether I actually want to keep living or not. And um, this was very real. It was very deep. It got to a point where I was researching ways to, to, to quit this body and move on to the next life, basically. And I know now I can laugh about it, but it was very serious at the time. And throughout my life, yoga has always been a part. And it would, for me, be kind of, it would be like, I would do it for some time, six months, and I would stop again for three months because I wasn't feeling well or I had a depressive episode. Then I would start again because it was always pulling me back. It would always pull me back. My heart would always be going there. And I even remember at the age of just, I think two years after I started practicing yoga, I saw a teacher training. And something in me said, and I'm getting goosebumps when I say this, because something in me said, oh my God, I really want to do this teacher training. I, I want to become a yoga teacher. But my whole constitution, the fact that I didn't have self-worth or, or, or courage in that respect said, no, but who are you to be a yoga teacher? You know, who are you to like, you're not even flexible. <laughs> yoga is not about flexibility. Let me just make that clear. But that's what I thought before. Um, so... When I hit burnout, I took up a serious yoga practice again, like seriously, like every day practicing my yoga, doing my stuff, doing my breathing, doing my meditation. And it 
actually what's life in the end. And then I said, okay, this is it. The burnout was a message from the universe. Change your life, find to your heart, find to your passion, do something in life that's meaningful to you, that's meaningful to others, where you can maybe even help others. And then I went and did my yoga teacher training. And then since then, it's just been a ball rolling. So I've had several trainings um, from advanced to yin yoga to I don't know what. And I'm teaching since four years now. Three of those four years is full time. And yeah, that's where I'm today. That's it. That's awesome. Um, in your bio, actually, I, I mentioned that yoga, the, your yoga path is also a dharma. Like, like for myself, like people for like my, myself, like we don't understand what a dharma is. Could you mm-hmm. explain that a little bit more? So your dharma in life is your calling. It's as simple as that. It's that which you came for onto this planet. It's, it's the reason you were born. It's the reason you're inhabiting the body you're in. It's the reason you're living the life you're living. And it's the deep calling, which is basically your soul calling and your heart calling. Um, and usually a dharma path has something to do with some sort of service. So you'll hear, you'll hear about Dharma in Buddhist traditions, in Hindu traditions, in um, Shinto traditions, they talk about Dharma also in, in the Chinese traditions and the Tao traditions. Um, so it's basically the pull of your heart, that which you have to do, the path you will walk in life that is meant for you, your calling. Cool. So could you say that in the early parts of your life, you, could, you, didn't, you didn't know your Dharma and now you've found your Dharma? I would say that there was always a pull in a certain direction, which I wouldn't follow because society doesn't allow us to do so. I think now with the younger generations, it's a little different, but I think our generation, I'm 42, um, I think we're still a little bit, we were that transition between old and new world. So in, in ourselves, we were maybe already establishing values of freedom and breaking out, but our families came from, or at least my family came from a very, how should I say, socially constricted kind of view in the world. And also a place where you do what is expected, that which is right. You know, you, know, you go to school, you go to university, you get a good job, you marry. As a Persian daughter, also marry rich because husband's supposed to take care of the wife, <laughs> which was terrible. I always rebelled against that. But I think that was, I, I was always in this pool, you know, um, pleasing my parents, but also trying to go my way. So my life is full of rebellious moments, full of moments where I break out, where I quit something from one day to the next in order to, to try to break free. But it was very hard for me. It was very hard for my soul. And I thought I was doing the right thing. But my body, my depression, all of this, there were all signs showing me that it was not the right life for me at all. But yeah. Cool. So you, you're talking about your burnout and uh, it led you to a depression, depression state. What was the actual moment in, your, in, in that point where you said enough is enough i'm just i need to change something and what happened where did what did you do where did you go anywhere did you do anything about it yeah so basically um these depressive episodes were always a part of my life 
till my, my mid thirties when I burned out and they would last anywhere from two weeks to maybe six weeks. And, um, the thing what made me then really finally say, okay, I really got to change something. Otherwise, you know, my life's not worth living is actually, it was the moment I was sitting, I was working for Amazon at the time, very crazy high paced environment, not very good for highly sensitive people. I was literally sitting at my desk and, and I couldn't do anything anymore. So my body, my mind completely came to a halt. I could not formulate an email. I could not pick up the phone. I was completely, I was like shell shocked. It was weird. And I knew in that moment, I went to my boss, I said, I need to go home. I'm sick. Um, I don't know when I'm coming back. So I went home and I remember just being home for like two or three or four weeks basically contemplating what was going on. And I got to the point where I was actually making plans to leave my body, to leave this life. And something in me said, dude, just, you know, just give us something in store for you in this life. You don't want to go actually, you want to live. There is something, there's an important mission for you. So go find some help. And I did. And then I went to a, to a day clinic. So it's not a full-time clinic where you're there removed completely from your life. It's basically like school. You go there at nine, you leave at five. But what this, what this time gave me, it gave me four months removed out of my usual life. And Germany is very social. So I still got my, my paycheck. You know, I wasn't in any financial difficulties and so forth and so on, but I could actually remove myself out of life. And a lot of people who went there, they, they didn't do much. They expected the doctors to help them. But I said, look, I have this time now. So let me get as many books as I can. Let me do my yoga practice. Let me go for walks. Let me really try to see if I can change something and become happier <laughs> yeah. and, and find something I love doing and, and really change my life. And to be honest, it's an ongoing process. It's not, it wasn't done with those four months, but they kickstarted it, you know? And then I decided to leave Germany. I moved to Mallorca, a small Spanish island, because I just had the feeling I need to get away from everything. And then that's where I decided to go to India for a month and uh, live in an ashram and do my first real teacher training there. Nice. How long did that, how long did you stay in India for? Well, that wasn't too long. It was four weeks, but it was very, very intensive. So you're living in the ashram, you're living a complete yogic life with the food, with getting up at five in the morning, meditating a hundred times a day, <laughs> practicing asana, I don't know, studying the text and doing all this kind of stuff. Um, it was very intense. And um, I think that's when something majorly shifted, like massively. I remember coming back to Germany and meeting my friends and they'd just look at me and they'd, they'd be like, you, you, you're, you're glowing. What did you do? Like your eyes are so clear. Like what happened to you in the four, past four weeks? You're like this angel <laughs> coming back. And uh, it was intense and um, it was crazy. It was, it was like life in a little mini, mini time. So the first week, all the students were super excited to be there. You know, yay, we're doing our, our thing. We're, we're fulfilling a dream and you're just running around doing all the stuff. And then the second week, it, it was terrible. Like half, half the teacher training got physically ill. So they actually got the flu or diarrhea or whatever. And the other half got mentally ill. So like depression came back, sadness came back. And you're just like, what, what, what is going on? <laughs> like, what the fuck is happening? And, um, and then you push through that, right? You push through that. And you come to the third week and you're like, wow, if I just keep doing like little steps, if I just do my practice it, and I'm getting goosebumps again, because it was like, it was such an aha moment. It's like, 
I can really change. I can get out of this myself. You know, I, I can take ownership for my life. I can empower myself to become free, to become happy. Yeah. And then in the third week, in the fourth week, you want coffee and chocolate and all these things you're not supposed to have. <laughs> so you specifically, what did you tell me of a time where you had hardship during that training? What did you, what, what was it and what did you do to get out of it? Okay. During that time, it was, um, it was actually the second week. And I'm somebody who has suffered from very, very intense self-doubt. So that kind of kicks in and then all the voices in my head go off and tell me that I'm nothing and nobody and who the hell do I think I am and what am I doing here? And, you know, crazy to think that I could ever move something big in my life. And, and that kind of kicked in. And I remember being um, on the phone to my now husband and boyfriend. And I was saying like, can you please buy me a ticket home? I need to leave right now. Like I'm crying every day. This isn't, there's no point in me doing this. Like who did I ever, how can I teach people to be happy when I'm feeling like this? You know, it was really terrible. And I kind of, I, 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 I regress. I, um, I close my shell and then obviously people notice that and they would avoid me, but I didn't realize it was my, it was because I closed up. I thought like, okay, they're avoiding me because they don't like me and all these kind of things. So it was as if all the demons that I have ever had in my life came back. And that was the first time that happened in my life when I was really trying to do something big for myself. And they just, they just tried to stop me in every way they could. Like it was, it was terrible, but something in me just said, you know what, get up, go to the yoga class, do the stuff they're experts, they know what they're doing. And um, the interesting thing is when you went up to one of the yoga teachers and you wanted to kind of be in the victim mode and be all like, you know, help me get me out of this, they would just say, you know, just take the next step. They wouldn't fix me. <laughs> but they did that on purpose because they wanted you to realize that you have to make the steps and walk through the process yourself. And I didn't fly back. And that was, that was the good decision. And then, um, at some point I realized, okay, it's up to me. You know, I, I got to do the work. It's me who, who controls my life. It's me who creates my life, my reality. And then I started opening up again and um, something shifted. Yeah. Something shifted. And, and it was a big learning moment in my life. And I'm like, okay, this is what I want to teach people. Awesome. Um, so how do you stay motivated now? <laughs> Oh, good old motivation. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's, it's sometimes it's a minefield. Like, um, and I think I, I rather speak about inspiration than motivation. I feel that my motivation comes from my inspiration. And if I feel inspired and I'm connected to myself and I'm connected to and aligned to what I'm doing, then the motivation to work on my projects, to um, build the Heart Yoga Lab, which I just founded in May, um, then that comes and works. And when I feel, when I'm sort of not, how should I say, when, when things are not aligned and I'm again going down some path where I think I should be doing that because I need to be a famous yoga teacher or something or my ego kicks in, then my motivation goes away and it's really hard for me to get stuff done. So, 
you know, it's a path. Everything is a journey. I, I started with a teacher training, but that doesn't mean that I'm super happy every day. You know, I also have my moments where, where things come back, where I have to deal with it, but life happens in spirals. So you will always be confronted with similar situations, you know, your demons, whatever you want to call them, your shadow sides. But every time you come around in that spiral, you have new experience, you have new knowledge and, and you change your perspective and you deal with it in a different way. So that's very important to keep on learning. For me to be motivated is to keep on learning, you know, to, to do these spirals, to do these rounds, but then also notice, okay, stuff does change. I can react differently. I can handle it differently. Yeah, and that's how, how the growth, growth um, carries on. Can you share a, a specific tool that you use to stay uh, inspired and motivated? <laughs> well, there's my yoga practice, obviously, <laughs> that I do, my meditation practice. Um, but one thing that really inspires and motivates me is just nature. It's connecting back to... It's when we talk about nature in, in our society, we always think like, oh, I have to, you know, go outside into the woods or I have to go on the mountain or I have to sit by a lake. So it's become, it's become like an activity. Yeah, I'm going out into nature, you know, but we've forgotten that that nature that's around us that we seek and we do seek it, you know, we love it. We love being outside. It's actually inside of us. So if I need a reminder, I do physically go into woods or onto a mountain and as soon as I connect back to that essence, to that innate nature within us, that beauty, like we are the beauty of nature looking back at the beauty of nature. And when I remind myself about that, that's when I feel inspired again. I do my best work if I take my, my phone, my camera, my, my book or whatever, and I literally sit in a forest or on top of a mountain and then suddenly everything, like everything happens. It's like I connect to some consciousness or something deeper within me and then it just comes out. When I'm in the city, when I'm around many, many people and these different kind of energies that, that always dampens me. It always like, it makes me, it, may, it keeps me small and the nature lets me be big and, and shiny. That's awesome. Uh, where do you see yourself in the next five years for your business? <laughs> I see myself helping a lot of people who are on a journey, who want guidance. So I'm not the, I'm not the teacher. I, I never, I don't know more than you or, or my students. I don't know more, but I have been maybe on a journey a little longer and I can guide people. So I want to be a guide to help people who are maybe stuck in a similar situation like me, um, like six or seven years ago when they weren't living from their heart. I want to help them find back to their heart, to find back to their passion, to understand joy, gratitude, love, and compassion, and then to use that as a fundament to build their, their perfect life. You know, it's, it's, it doesn't have to be yoga. Maybe somebody wants to build boats or, I don't know, rings or successes or become a boss of a big, beautiful, you know, company that also helps the world. Whatever it is, I want to help people find back to their heart and also help them find a practice that can keep them going onto that path. So, I see, a, I see a network of healing centers, of people working together, bringing their different talents, bringing their different efforts, because what I do or my practice might not be the right practice for X, Y, and Z, but maybe I know somebody and we can collaborate and so we can help that person. 
So I see a tribe of people <laughs> working together, healing individuals so that we can ultimately heal the world. And like, I'm already getting goosebumps because I, I know that so many people are at the moment so far removed from their essence and they're so unhappy. And I have so much compassion for these people. I, I just want everybody to be happy and lovey. And I'm actually an old hippie. <laughs> You know, so let's all dance and sing and be happy kind of deal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, you've, you've touched up a couple of times on two two interesting topics. And I want to see if uh, well, I'm trying to see the connection because I'm not a big yoga guy. Right? And I'm sure most guys are not. So you, you keep touching up on like, uh, love and compassion and harmony when it when when you when you're talking about yoga, the, does that come through like the the breathing practices, the the poses? What exactly does that? Where does that come from? Okay, that's a, that's a very long answer, <laughs> but but I'll actually I'll try to keep it short. So. I have to actually start like 6,000 years ago. And 6,000 years ago, in my opinion, from what I've heard also listening to shamans and to historians and to other people, we were living in a much more balanced world where the feminine was, was um, divine, the masculine was divine. You know, we were living in a matriarchal society, but I don't want to use that word because that pushes the masculine out it was it was a balanced world so the men were the protectors they were the warriors of the heart you know they were the heroes and the women were connected to nature to the cycles of life they were they were the life givers um they were creative and the masculine and the feminine they they worked together in some symbiosis not one was better than the other and that creates harmony and this is how nature functions if you go out and you watch nature Everything has its place. Everything has its movement. Everything works together, flows together, communicates. I mean, it's beautiful. And then at some, at some point that tipped, I can't tell you when, I don't know exactly what happened, but the masculine started to, to rise up. So a lot of these very important, softer, feminine qualities um, that are mostly connected to things like compassion, to things like love, they started to be pushed down. And then, you know, at some time, at some point, the church came and suddenly the women came out of Adam's rib. And I mean, nobody comes out of a rib, you know, everybody comes out of some sort of form of uterus. <laughs> you know, nothing against, nothing against, like, I love Jesus. He's great. But the church kind of fucked things up. And we started moving into this very, yeah, into this world that was very biased towards the masculine. And um, yoga came about five or 6,000 years ago. One doesn't know exactly when, because the first time somebody, and this person is called Patanjali, we don't know if it's a guy or a group of people or a woman, Patanjali wrote down the Yoga Sutras 2,000 years ago. But yoga has been around for much longer. It's in all the Vedic writings. But it's not exactly, it's not exactly said how to do it or how to achieve it. You know, yoga pops up here and then there and then over here. And then somebody sits in a meditative pose, somebody breathes, you know, because it was a practice that was given verbally from, from master to student. And Patanjali then wrote this down. And 
yoga is a way of connecting back deeply into that nature, into that masculine and into that feminine energy. Now, if we only have masculine energy, we have a lot of aggression. Yeah, we have, there's a lot of aggression, which is also needed. Sometimes you've got to be aggressive to get shit done. You know, it's important, yeah. but it's too much. You know, it's a lot of aggression, a lot of, you know, fighting, a lot of uh, machoism and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's not healthy in the long run. Yeah, so yoga aims to sort of bring these two energies back back into balance to like let the feminine rise. be concise because there's so much to it right so Patanjali wrote all of this down and then basically yoga was uh, meditating yeah the term asana yoga pose is actually just a seated pose that is stable and strong but also very fluid and, and soft and about around 1600, maybe 1400 or 1600, the tantric practices came. And tantra has nothing to do with sex. Tantra means that you, um, you don't try to transcend the body. You try to experience the body as reality as it is now. So you're not trying to reach some higher ideal to become free at some point, you know, and, 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 and go into nirvana or whatever. Tantra says, be here, be now, be present, experience reality. And in, and Tantra, in Tantra, not the masculine nor the feminine is high up. They're, they're both working together. So the left side is feminine and the right side is masculine and it meets here in the heart. And the heart qualities are love, compassion, joy, gratitude. And once you start living in those feelings or those emotions and those qualities and you feel them in every cell of your body a sort of a synchronicity happens yes everything that happens in your life comes for a reason and you begin to live your true life your true self we are by nature we are that if you look at babies or small children they have no prejudices usually yeah maybe there's one or two exceptions but usually 99% of them they're open they're full of love they're full of compassion they're full of helpfulness they help each other they don't judge each other they laugh they're joyful they live in the moment and at some point we 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 put so much shit on top of that that we we dislearn it we dislearn and suddenly the mind becomes superior i'm not saying the mind is is unimportant but don't let the mind control everything use Use your heart and let the mind be of service to your heart, you know, and let everything that you do come from your heart. And for me and for, for, for my teacher as well, and for many people, and I think it's actually the only way to live is, is from here. If you really want to be happy and really want a fulfilled life, then that it happens in here. So I hope that was a little clear or maybe yeah. it was a little confused. I'm not sure, but <laughs> no, it's, it's quite interesting that you said about how babies don't have uh, prejudice. And uh, there, I remember about 10, 15 years ago, there was a, a, a social experiment done in Israel where they took a Israeli born baby and a Palestinian born baby and up to the age of three. And they were playing, they were friends, they were best friends. They're, they pulled them apart by, they, 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 at three, they pulled them apart and they brought them back 10 years later and they wanted to kill each other. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So it, yeah. it's, it's interesting that you said that, like uh, it, that, that just brought back that memory for me. I'm like, yeah, it's quite interesting. Yeah. I think it's our natural state. It's how, how, how we are as, as divine beings, you know, we're all divine. We're all spiritual. We, 
we are the power of the cosmos, but at some point society, you know, our society wouldn't work the way it does if we were all really free and empowered beings, you know, a lot of stuff wouldn't work, but, um, so I also think there's some power plays, you know, over the years, over 2000, whatever, 3000 years, I want to keep society a certain way so that a few people have power and a few people have all the riches, you know, and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. which is very sad. Yep. What about you in five years? Where do you see yourself? <laughs> I know I wrote, I wrote something down in the form, but that can sometimes change within five minutes. So I'm just going to say <laughs> what I feel now. <laughs> Well, that's the whole point of this. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I see myself further down my personal journey. I see myself um, deepening my personal practice. Um, I see myself traveling the world, meeting many inspired souls. I see myself collaborating with other like-minded individuals. Um, and yeah, just bringing bringing healing to the world in whatever form that is in five years, because along a journey, things can change. Different things might add on. I, at the moment, I have this real deep, deep pull to, to travel to Peru. I've been wanting to do that since I'm 20. Actually, I never did it, and it, it hasn't left my side. I want to I meet my shaman. I want to sit in a jungle for two months and literally just be with the plants and the animals, and I kind of have that pull right now, and I don't know what what role that's going to play in five years time you know will always my my will be that my my sort of my pillar in the middle but i i have the feeling there's going to be so much more happening around that and um yeah definitely traveling the world growing the heart yoga lab um yeah just sharing 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 all the good stuff awesome if you could pick up the phone right now and call yourself when, when you were 25 years old, what would you tell yourself? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That would be a really long conversation. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. I don't even know if I would listen to myself with 25. <laughs> no, I think, um, what would I say? I would say, trust your path. Trust it, everything you're experiencing, even though it might be hard and difficult and dark sometimes, it has its place and it has its purpose. And you're walking towards the light and just keep going and chill out. (laughs) (laughs) That's really good advice. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that do you personally think that we need a darkness as well as the light? Yes, absolutely. And um, it's very beautiful in, in, in yoga, also in Buddhism, you see it a lot. Also in the Hindu cultures is the, the image of the lotus flower. You know, a lotus pond is, is dark and dingy and there's a lot of mud and it's really gross. And, it's, and this beautiful little lotus seed, it has to go through all this crazy mud. I mean, there's like piles of mud and it has to go through there in order to come up and be this amazing, beautiful flower. And um, I sometimes think the people that have been really, 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 really deep down, very, very dark, they often shine the brightest once they step on a path of their own awakening, of their own, um, yeah, of their own journey towards the light. And it has power. It has power. It has creativity. I think 
um, without my darkness, I, I wouldn't grow. I wouldn't um, make the steps that I do. It's, it's just, how do I integrate it? You know, do I, do I hate myself for it? Or, or can I recognize those moments and say, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm not feeling that great right now. Yeah, I'm being reminded of stuff that happened before in my life, but how do I integrate that? Can I learn that I will come out of it? And can I learn that I will grow out of it? Because then it's okay. Then I can maybe just sit with it for a while. And yeah, it's shit and it's painful and whatever. But um, I think it's necessary. So somebody that's in their darkness right now, what would you tell them? I would tell them not to give up. Not to give up. Awesome. Good, very good advice. I completely agree with that. <laughs> uh, what keeps you up at night? Oh, boy. <laughs> Here's another one. <laughs> Definitely Wi-Fi signals. They keep me up. <laughs> Because I'm so sensitive, I feel everything. It's like, it's crazy sometimes. But um, what keeps me up is, um, is the pain that people suffer. Like, I used to get very angry when somebody was aggressive on the street to me or, you know, saying stupid stuff or whatever. But I've come to a point where I actually, where I recognize, I, I see... First of all, I see everybody as shining bright lights. I see divinity in everybody. And I also see, I see that little child in every person, like literally, and I'm getting tears in my eyes because in every person there is a hurt child, you know, and that causes them to be a certain way as grownups. And I just want to go up to them and hug that little child and tell that little child it's going to be okay. And, you know, that, that kind of keeps me up at night. Um, how can I, how can I really help people? How can I really touch their hearts? I know I do it sometimes, but you don't always get the feedback. You don't know if what you're doing is, is, is right or good or whatever. And, um, and it's definitely the state of the world, you know, can we really, and I have a lot of hope. I have a lot of hope, but can we really reach that critical mass of people like you and me and, and all the people we've met the past couple of months, you know, um, we need to reach a critical mass in order to really tip the scale. And can we achieve that? You know, and how, how long is that going to take? Well, what's the old saying? Um, uh, uh, the first journey of a thousand steps starts off with one step. I think this is our, this, I think this is your first step. I think this is <laughs> our first step. I, I completely agree with you in that. Um, I think we are on the verge of this massive change and it's just a matter of time. Yeah, I think so too. I'm very hopeful because I'm meeting more and more people that are wanting to awake, that can see that our system, there's something really wrong with it um, because nobody needs to suffer in this world. Nobody needs to go hungry. Everybody could have electricity and power and food and and it just cannot be that all those riches are concentrated in 1% of the world population. It just can't be, you know, yeah. we could all be living abundant lives, all of us. And it would be no hassle. It would be no loss to anybody. Yeah. Any final thoughts? <laughs> I'm never really good on final thoughts because they're never final. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so no. <laughs> okay. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. No final thoughts, but just uh, 
just love to everybody who's going to see this and um, keep going, listen to your heart. Um, and you're wonderful. You're beautiful, you know, and there's nothing wrong with you. You, you have that, you have that beauty inside of you. It's there. It's just waiting to be discovered by, by yourself. Yeah. Perfect. So where can people find more about you? Um, you can find me at, um, www.heartyogalab.com. That's my website. I have a little blog on there. Um, I have a little bit of information. Yes. Um, you can also always send me an email. That's heartyogalab at gmail.com. And it's the same for Instagram and Facebook. I'm on all those channels. And uh, feel free to email me, talk to me about whatever you want to talk to, comment. Um, and I'm happy to go into conversation with you and exchange ideas and all of this. And yeah. Thank you, Shabnam. Um, and I can vouch for this. Um, I have bought her uh, her one of her programs and it has helped me quite a bit. Like I did some of the breathing techniques and it's just amazing, absolutely amazing. And coming from a guy who's got so much on his plate, that little five minutes of just sitting down and breathing properly just really helps me calm down. So Shabnam, I have to thank you personally for all that. That's so, so beautiful. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. <laughs> and to everyone out there listening, I wish you a good morning, good afternoon, or a good night, wherever you may be in this crazy world. <laughs>